Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, Journey family. Uh, Pastor Mike here, and we want to wish you a happy Easter. Uh, Today is such a big day for our faith and for our church and even for our city. Because it's the day where we recognize that we celebrate and we worship a risen Savior in Jesus Christ. And so my hope and my prayer for you today is that even though we can't meet in person and celebrate Easter Sunday, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would experience in the comfort of your home or right there at your desk, you would experience the life-changing message, love, and hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a unique day and a unique time frame for us because 11 years ago on Easter Sunday, we met together as a church for the very first time. Easter 2009 was our very first ever church service. Now, 11 years later, we're celebrating Easter at home in the confines of our couch, our apartment, or our office space, and we cannot meet because of the coronavirus. And we want to encourage you guys to continue praying for our city, praying for our medical staff and team that are working so hard to help with those who are impacted by the coronavirus and pray for those who are impacted as well. But because we can't meet together in person, uh, we wanted to go all out as best as we can and meet with you online and celebrate Easter at the journey like never before. And so what you're going to experience as you're watching this from home is you're going to experience a a literal journey with me as we talk through the resurrection story together. Now this morning, I want to focus in on just one verse. Only one verse is going to be our theme for the entire topic, for our entire talk this morning, and it's Jesus's very last words to his disciples, found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, before we get to that portion and that scripture verse, I want to just kind of paint the picture, set the scene a little bit. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, he lived a blameless life. He was perfect in every way, never sinned, and he went about his way always teaching about the kingdom of God. Uh, He would heal people from their diseases and their sicknesses and their infirmaries. And so Jesus would do all these things, but the problem was back in Jesus' day, They thought that Jesus was going to come be the Savior, not of our salvation, but they thought he was going to be the Savior of the Jewish nation. At the time, the Roman Empire was the one that was leading Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And so everybody thought that Jesus would be this Messiah, this military uh, accomplished person that would just come in and overthrow the Roman government and just overturning everything. And, And then finally, Jesus would bring Israel back to a place of prominence and power. But we know Jesus didn't do that. Instead, Jesus walked around and hung out with the least of these. He hung out with the poor. He hung out with lepers. He hung out with tax collectors, and a lot of these things were were culture-shifting, and and they just kind of broke the traditional barriers that were there at this time. And so a lot of people were confused, especially the religious people. And they thought, wait a minute, if this this guy is supposed to be the Messiah, if he's supposed to be the Savior, well, then why isn't he overtaking the government? And so it all came about where Judas, 
determined to take things in his own hands. Judas, the disciple, betrays Jesus. And he basically says, if this guy isn't who he says he is, let's prove it. And that's where he betrayed Jesus, working alongside other officials to crucify Jesus. And on that Good Friday, the Savior of the world hung there with his arms stretched wide. And he breathed his last words saying, it is finished. But we know that's not the end of the story. In fact, that's, that's, that's not why we're here today. That's a, that's a part of why we're here today. But the reason why we're meeting today is because on that Sunday, three days later, Jesus rose again. And not only that, but Jesus appeared to his disciples. He appeared to, uh, Scripture says, 500 other people. And so now at this last moment, Jesus is with his disciples, ready to ascend up to heaven. And he's ready to give them his final words. And his disciples immediately think back to the past. Well, if Jesus came to be the Messiah, and now that he rose again from the dead, boy, oh boy, man, we're going to be a military conquest now. Now we're finally going to overcome the Roman government. But see, they missed it again. And so Jesus reminds them of this scripture verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He looks at his disciples, he says, but you will receive power at home. Say power with me. You will receive power. Why or how? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then he says, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, the amazing thing about this passage is Jesus is saying that same power that enabled him to rise again from the dead, to overcome the grave, the same power Jesus is giving to you and to me. The same power comes when the Holy Spirit dwells in our life and fills within us. And what's amazing is if we look at the world today, do we see power? Do we see God's resurrection power in many people's lives today? No. I mean, many times we see fear. We see anxiety. We see people running away from reality. We we don't see power that's evident. But Jesus says that this message is for you and for me. That we are to not only receive this power in our life, but we're to display this power. And he gives us this action plan. He says, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. So Jesus here, he's giving us some geographical locations, right? There's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But today what I want to do is I want to do this message a little bit different. And I want to look at three, yes, geographical locations, but what do they mean for us personally? What do these locations represent and how do they represent our hearts today? And my hope and my prayer is for you is as you're listening and watching this message this morning, that you'll identify yourself and discover where are you on your spiritual journey and where does God need you and want you to be today? And so this morning we've done a little bit different and we're going to be a little bit more creative and I'm going to travel to three unique areas throughout New York City. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're hearing this and you're thinking, but Pastor Mike, we're in a lockdown. We're in a quarantine. We're supposed to be social distancing. And I want you to know that right now, the only person recording this message is myself. 
A true story. I, right now, I have an iPhone that is plugged into a microphone that is on a tripod stand, and I'm walking around with it, filming it all by myself. So we don't have a video crew. Uh, we're not breaking any laws. It's just me, my iPhone, and you guys. And so understand, we are quarantined. We are being safe. But we wanted to visualize this message for you because I believe this message is for all of us. That once we realize where we are spiritually, we'll recognize where does God want us to be. And some of us were living without power. Some of us were living without the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. And so my prayer and my hope is that you'll experience Jesus's power in your life and recognize what are those steps that we need to take this morning. So this is Easter in what I'm calling 3D or three different locations. So when Jesus shares his final words with the disciples, he says that we receive his power and in turn, we're going to become witnesses starting in Jerusalem. Now, why Jerusalem? Well, back in the time, Jerusalem actually was the capital of Israel. Jerusalem was where the temple was. So people would come to worship at Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was also where rabbis would come for their training and for their schooling. And so really Jerusalem was what we would say the original Bible belt of its day. But it makes you wonder if, if Jerusalem had all of that, did they really need the gospel? I mean, if they were there and they were listening to Jesus's words and they would say, whoa, 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 Jesus, we're Jerusalem. We got this. We know what we're doing. We know what we believe. You, you're good. You, you go to the other places. The pagans are the ones that need the gospel. The, the people who are far from God need the gospel. Not us. We're, we're, we know it all. We've got it all. And to a degree, they were right. You see, every kid growing up in Jew Jewish tradition, by the time they turned eight years old, they had to have what was called the Torah memorized. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized, word for word. After they would be in that schooling up until eight and memorize all that, then they would graduate and go to another school until the age of 13, where they would then study the entire Old Testament, 40 books of the Bible, and they would have it memorized, down-packed. Just so you know, Psalms is 150 chapters. They would have it memorized. They knew every law, every scripture. They in turn knew religion better than you and I. And so they would simply ask, why do we need the gospel? But something I've learned is that those who need God's grace the most see it the least. That's why when Jesus came to this earth and he walked around the people, he would look at the religious people and he would call them lost. Now, it almost sounds like an oxymoron, but the, re the reason why he would call them lost is because they didn't know it. They thought they knew everything. And so much so they knew everything that they actually missed their need for Jesus as their savior. Now, could the same be true for you? You know, maybe for you, you, you know everything when it comes to faith. You know about Jesus. You know about God the Father. You know about the tenets of faith. You know the books of the Bible. But in your heart, it's been a while since there's been a transformation, since there's been a life-altering moment that you decided to follow Christ. And you would, you would follow in the same words of Jesus, that you 
are lost, like the religious people in Jerusalem. You know, maybe you say you're a good person or a moral person, and, and that's true, but you still don't realize that you need Christ. And you know, the, the sad reality is that thousands of people worship Christ on, today, on Easter Sunday, and still have never made that decision to surrender their life for Him. You know, Paul shares about this to the church in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. He talks about these times where we have a form of godliness, but without knowing it, we deny its power. You know, that's why some of the reasons I believe that churches are connected to cemeteries. You know, yeah, churches, they have heritage, but they have cemeteries symbolizing death and old things. And so maybe for you, you've been trying to find Christ, find life and find hope in dead and dry and old things like religion. You try to follow every law as meticulously and as perfectly as you can, but still, you feel like you've come up short. You know, in fact, uh, when Jesus rose again from the dead and it says that the women went to the tomb to find him, the, the angel there looks out at them and he says, why do you search for the living among the dead? Maybe you feel like your faith is that way right now. It's just, it's dead. You're trying to search for living things and it's just not there and you've come up empty. Could it be because you've trusted in religion and not in the relationship in Christ? You know, maybe you grew up with God around you, but never experienced God in, inside your heart. Uh, maybe you grew up following all the rules, but you still feel like something is lacking. You, you grew up understanding the story, but you never really experienced the Savior. And for some of us, that's our life right now. You know, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, where Jesus says, on that day when we're there for judgment, he says, many will say, Lord, Lord, I did all these great things. But Jesus in turn says, I never knew you. It's a haunting verse for me and maybe a haunting verse for you, but could it be that we're doing so many great things, but in reality, we don't even know Christ in our own life. We never even made that decision to really follow and experience a living relationship with Christ. And so if you're here today and you find yourself stuck in the walls of religion, stuck in the ways of the patterns of our past, Jesus came to break free from all of that. So we can now know it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship. It's not about the system, but it's about the Savior. Jesus came to initiate life and to breathe it into us so we could experience hope and peace and freedom again. And my hope and my prayer for you is that it's not just about the information, but it's about the transformation that comes. And so if you're here today and you feel like Jerusalem, stuck and dry and dead, know that the gospel has come to you. So Jesus' next step in the journey is he says that the gospel message is going to grow from Jerusalem to then Judea and Samaria. Now, when the disciples first heard Jesus say this, I got to mention, they kind of gritted their teeth, uh, clenched their fists and thought, no, not, not Judea, not Samaria. And the reason why was because they were their enemies. They were considered heathens. Jerusalem deserved the gospel. Judea and Samaria did not deserve the gospel. It almost likens it to a place like 
what we would say is Las Vegas or even like right here in Times Square, a place where, you know, we have parties and live it up. That's what the people of Judea and Samaria did. In fact, Jerusalem held so fast to the laws that they followed every single one of them. Judea and Samaria, they said one of the laws, which was uh, to marry only those of the same faith, Judea and Samaria said, forget it. You only live once. Let's marry who we want. Doesn't matter if they do or do not believe what we believe. And so we're just going to do whatever we want. And so the disciples would have looked at Judea and Samaria and said, Jesus, they don't deserve the gospel. They're enemies. They deserve judgment, not grace. But see, that's the beauty of what Jesus' message and what he came to do for you and I, is that the gospel reaches everywhere. Those who seemingly deserve it and those who seemingly don't deserve it. And so when Jesus says that the gospel is coming to Judea and Samaria, he's trying to change their mindset. He's trying to help the disciples see that this message is for everyone, those who deserve it and those who don't. And see, whereas the people of Jerusalem, they may have been too good for the gospel, the people of Judea and Samaria would never have thought that they would be deserving of such good news. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you've lived it up with your life. Maybe you've ran fast and you've run hard and you lived a party scene and you've done all the things imaginable that is so far from God. And now you look at your life and it's just a mess. It's a pile of shame. You know, as a pastor, I get messages all the time about people who have lived it up. They've done everything according to the world standards. They have the money, the fame, the, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, all the sex, the booze that they want. And then one day they wake up, they, they come to their senses and they say, man, I, I've missed it. I look at this pile called my life and it's just one big mess. How do I pick up the pieces again? But see, that's the beauty of what Jesus came to do, is that Jesus met us where we are. Jesus didn't wait for us to get our lives right and meet him where he's at. But Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And see, maybe you're here today and you're living that life where you're running away from God. And right now you don't have any consequences. Life is great and you're just, you're partying, you're living it up, you're running away and, and everything's fine. But understand, sin is pleasurable for a moment. But that's at just a moment. Afterwards, we always have to deal with the consequences of our choices that we make, whether good or bad. You know, in fact, while Jesus was here on earth, he, he told a story about a famous parable called the parable of the prodigal son. And it was basically a son who looked up to his dad, asked for his inheritance, and ran away and squandered the inheritance. Uh, he probably would have went to Vegas. He probably would have went to Times Square or Miami and just kind of lived it up. And this guy did whatever he wanted. He lived the party life, and it was great, and it was fun for a while until the money ran out. When the money ran out, the friends ran out. When the friends ran out, the girlfriend left. And this guy was left with nothing. In fact, the story says that at one point, he was literally eating the, 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 the same food as pigs because the guy had nothing. And at one point in the story, he shares that he came to his senses and realized that his father's house had so much more for him than the life he was living right now. And that if he could just muster up the strength and the courage to come back home, ask for forgiveness, maybe, just maybe, the father would accept him once again. 
And we see at the end of the story that the moment the father sees the prodigal son coming home, the father runs to the prodigal son. It's an illustration of what Jesus does for you and I. And if you're here today and you're just living in the sin and the shame, and you feel hurt and betrayed, and you feel just like the people of Judea and Samaria, that there's no way that God could accept me. There's no way that God could love me. Look at the cross and all that Jesus endured on the cross for you and for me. And understand, no matter what mess you're in right now, whether it's financial, relational, health, no matter what mess you're in right now, if Jesus can walk out of the grave, you can walk out of your situation as well. Don't wallow in the shame. Don't wallow in the hopelessness and the emptiness that life will try to offer. But understand, through Jesus, we experience true life. In fact, the, the scripture said, he who finds God is the one who finds life. And so today, no matter what situation you're at right now, if you identify with Judea or Samaria and you feel like there's no way that God could offer me hope and forgiveness, I want you to know the gospel has come to you. All you need to do is let go of the baggage, let go of the shame and receive it today, the hope and the payment that Jesus paid on the cross for you and for me. So when Jesus shares the message with his disciples, he's telling them, first, you're going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to go to Judea and Samaria, and then ultimately you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And I can imagine at this point, the disciples are really scratching their heads. You know, Jerusalem is easy to get. Judea and Samaria, that was a tough pill to swallow. The ends of the earth, I mean, Jesus, that's impossible. How, how many people is that? It's almost like uh, Jesus was at this uh, football game, you know, and he's the coach and he rallies his 12 disciples, the teammates together, tells them, put their hands down low and, all right, guys, here's the game plan. We're going to reach Jerusalem. Got it. Yep, yep. You're going to reach Judea and Samaria. What? Uh, let's keep going. And, uh, you know, we don't got time for this. Let's just go to the ends of the earth. Ready? Go. And the disciples were like, what? But Jesus wasn't just throwing a caveat here. He, he wasn't making a mistake. He wasn't just implying he knew exactly what he was saying. And he knew that these disciples would take this message in the little city of Jerusalem, spread it out to the outskirts of Judea and Samaria, and ultimately, later on, they would impact the ends of the earth. You know, 2,000 years later, Jesus' message still stands and it still applies for you and me today. That his message of hope, love, peace, and forgiveness is still applicable for us in our season of life, in our situations that we're in right now. And what Jesus was saying by this idea of to the ends of the earth, what he was saying was there's going to be no barriers, no obstacles, no circumstances are going to get in the way of my message of love to my creation. You know, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're at the ends of the earth. Maybe you feel like an obstacle or a circumstance has gotten in the way of you and your walk with God. And you look at your life right now, whether it's a mess or you just feel distant and you feel like God is up here and that you're way down here. And you begin to wonder, even this Easter season, where is God in all of this? You know, maybe as you've been impacted and watching our city be impacted by the coronavirus, and you're saying, God, uh, no barriers? God, this is a major barrier for our city and for our, our country right now. But Jesus came to let us know, and he, he died on the cross for you and I so that we can know that 
His message of love crosses all boundaries, overcomes all obstacles and any barrier. And He wants you to know today that it doesn't matter how distant you feel from God, now is the time to zoom out and look around and to see God's message of hope and love and peace for your own life. You see, the grace of God will come to reach you even when you're in the deepest and darkest valleys of your life. And maybe you're here right now and Easter Sunday is usually a day of celebration, usually a day of joy, but you just feel sorrow and despair and you even feel a little bit of darkness. I want you to know the, God, the grace of God has come to cover you. That God meets you where you are at. God is not up there and we're down here, but no, God lives among us. In fact, that's what the message of Easter is all about. Jesus knows he's here to help, but also he understands where we've come from in our situations that we're in. In fact, the writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It talks about how Jesus came to live amongst us and to be like us. But there's one part in that verse where it says that Jesus shares in our sufferings. And if you hear that part, that's such a powerful and a profound statement that Jesus literally shared in our sufferings. You know, it's so unique about God. You know, most times when we think of a God or a God-like figure or a leader, most times they just want to be up there and our job is to appease them and do everything that's easy for them. Never would you hear about a God who would leave everything and come down, let alone the share in our sufferings. But when we read the scriptures about what happened to Jesus before he rose again, we experience, we understand the sufferings that he was a part of. You know, first off, he was rejected by his own creation. Uh, scripture even says that one of his disciples betrayed him, a person that he hung out with for three and a half years, day in and day out, every moment of his life was with these people. And one person literally betrays him and sells him to be handed over to be crucified. And on that day that he was crucified, it says that people mocked him. They called him the king of the kings, uh, the king of the Jews. And so what they would do is the soldiers would take these whips and at the ends of the whips, they would have metal shards in them. So every time that they would whip that person and pull the whip out, it would pull out pieces of flesh of that person. And they didn't just do this once or twice. Floss said that they did it at least 39 times, at least. And so Jesus was whipped right there every single time. Then with all the sores and all the open wounds, they said they put on a fake garment over him, to, to uh, almost a fake royal garment to mock him for being the king of kings or the king of the Jews. And, and so what that do is that was pressed upon his skin and just burned from within. Then they made a crown of thorns, thick thorns, and they pressed it into his head, into his skull. And then they would take him to the cross. And they would take these nails, these spikes, and nail it right here and right at his joints. And so every time when he was up there on the cross, he would struggle to breathe. So every time that he would take a deep breath, he would have to push up against these spikes, which would press even further into his skin. And, and he would cry aloud all these last moments. And he would say these things, crazy things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He would say these words, it is finished. And one of the most powerful words that he says, he says, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? And see, at that moment, Jesus took on all the pain, all the suffering, and all the sin of all mankind. And because he took all that on and bore all of that, what it did was it caused separation between him and God. Now, in our life, we experience suffering, but we know that God is with us in that suffering. In that moment, Jesus experienced complete suffering. God was not with him at that moment that he gave up his life for you and I. And the reason why he did that was because he bore the sins, the mistakes, the valleys, the, the, the mistakes, the mess-ups, the sin that we, uh, that we do and that, that we step in. He bore all of that for our sake. And he died there on the cross that day. But the story doesn't end there. We know that three days later, Jesus rose again and he conquered death. And so if Jesus conquered all of that for you and for me, there is nothing too far for God's love for you and for me. There's nothing that we can do to, to mess up or mistake God's love for you and I. God loves us so much. In any moment that we wonder, look at the cross and look at the empty tomb. Those are the two that ensure our hope and our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you feel distant from God, you feel like there's no way that God could ever bridge the gap between my mistakes and his perfection, he already has. The message of Easter is the message of hope, that the gospel has come to you in your season right now. So when Jesus told his disciples the game plan, it was to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ultimately to the ends of the earth. And what seemingly seemed like a scattered strategy was actually pointed and purposeful. You see, Jesus' disciples did just that. They took the gospel message from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the city of Rome, which at that time was considered the ends of the earth. But what's most amazing is that this gospel movement started from Jesus to his 12 disciples and today, Easter Sunday, over 2 billion people profess a faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus' game plan did work, it still is working, and his gospel will continue to reach the ends of the earth. Now if we think about it, there are a lot of places right now that the gospel message has reached. But there are also a few places on earth that Jesus' message of love, hope, and peace have not yet reached. And for some of them, it might be even your own heart. You know, have you known about the gospel message, heard about the power of Jesus Christ, but never experienced it in your own heart? Now, maybe you're watching and listening right now, and you're wondering, what exactly is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a word that simply means good news. The good news is found in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then also verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, what that means is maybe you have this idea of God as being this angry judge 
or this stale being that makes us follow all these rules that just aren't applicable to life today. But in reality, in just those two verses, we learn the gospel is that God has great love for you and I, that he desires for us to know that his goal and his purpose is not to judge us or to condemn us, but to save us through the act of Jesus on his death, burial, and resurrection. And what the gospel simply says is that it's our belief, it's our faith, our personal decision that we make to trust in that work that Jesus did for us. In other words, it's not about what you can do to be made right with God. It's about the work that Jesus already has done. And all we do is receive it by faith. And so my question for you today is, have you made that decision? Have you received the work that Jesus did on the cross and through the empty tomb? Have you received it this morning by faith in your heart? You know, maybe as you're watching this video, you relate to the story of Jerusalem where you grew up with this idea of God being stale and it being all about religion and following these laws and these rules. And and maybe as a young kid, a young person, you just said, if that's who God is, I'm out. I don't want this. Now you realize today that Jesus did not come to establish religion, but he came to establish a relationship with you. He didn't come to institute death. He came to institute life. And so maybe you relate to Jerusalem and you realize today you've bought into dead things and dry things. And now you've got to receive that life, that freedom that comes in Christ. And maybe you relate to the story of Judea and Samaria, where you've kind of just run hard and run away from God. And you just kind of lived your own life, done your own things, done whatever you wanted to do. And now you realize life is a mess. You pursued all these things that you thought would bring fulfillment and now you feel empty and even more emptier than ever. And now today you're learning that Jesus has come to give us life, but also to be the ultimate fulfillment and significance of that life. And maybe you feel that challenge to just walk away from all those things and to finally pursue and open up your heart and your life to Christ. Or maybe you relate to the story of the ends of the earth and you feel like God is up here, you're way down here. You don't know why, but you've always felt this distance towards God, that that he's just absent, that he doesn't really care about your life and you're just kind of on your own. And today you realize that Jesus came to bridge the gap, to, to help eliminate the chasm between you and God and that you can know God in a personal way today. Jesus makes this power available to you and to me. But he says that the key to unlocking that power is to receive it through faith in our own hearts. And so my hope and my prayer for you this Easter is that you would not just sit around whether with friends or family or just even right now just quarantined, that you wouldn't just sit around and hear the message of Easter, but maybe for you for the first time that you would experience the message behind Easter, that God loves you so much. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to wag his finger at you. He's here to save you. But that salvation comes through faith in Christ. And so if you're here today and you're watching and you're ready to place your faith and your trust in Christ and in the work that he did on the cross and the resurrection for you, I want to encourage you, there's a link below where you can simply type that in or click that link you got to let us know. 
As a church, we want to celebrate with you. We believe this is a powerful decision for you to make. But also, as a church, we want to do what we can to equip you and understand, help you understand what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to place our faith and trust and to live in this renewed hope? My prayer for you this Easter is that you would just celebrate it, but that you would experience the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and this time where we could just kind of sit in our apartment and sit in our homes and reflect on the sacrifice that you paid for us. God, we're so grateful that, that you came down from heaven to earth, not only to live amongst us, but to suffer in the way that you did so that we can know that there's hope. We can know that there's healing. We can know that this life is not all that there is. And even though right now some of us, we're, we're living in fear. We're living in fear watching what's happening to our society, watching what's happening to our city and those that have been impacted and sick by the coronavirus. God, help us to move past that fear and to move forward into faith, into the work that you did on the cross for us. Help us not to trust in just religion, but to trust in the relationship. Help us to leave behind the shame and the sin and to trust that you will offer forgiveness that only you can offer. God, help us to experience you in a real and a personal way this Easter. And I pray for those here who have not yet placed their faith and trust in you for the first time, God. Help us find freedom and hope in the work on the cross that you did for us. Help us open up our hearts and receive this gift by faith. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.